10, beginning to read at the 35th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptised, you will be baptised. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. May I speak and may we listen in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Few of us could deny that St. Luke tells a good story, and he tells it well. And we meet this evening to worship God, within the week itself when we mark and celebrate St. Luke's Day. That is on the 18th of this month, St. Luke, the physician of the soul. From time immemorial, biblical scholars have seen and heard a lightness of touch and a delicacy of palate in the Gospel and in the Acts of the Apostles. Whether we as semi-professional Christians grow or not, inwardly or outwardly, the countdown to Christmas will start in a couple of weeks' time. Christmas cards have been on sale since late September in any case. The beginning of November, in fact, begins to tell its own tale of Christmas expectation and of the forthcoming excitement of Incarnation. The Christian Advent today has to take its place in the queue. But let us be kind to others as to ourselves. For most people, in a society such as ours, which is both secular and sacred, for most people, 
Christmas is St. Luke's Christmas, with shepherds abiding in the fields by night and angelic visitations. And St. Luke is very good at holding together without contradiction the various creations with their creator God. But on this evening of commissioning new student readers, I want to take us elsewhere in St. Luke, to the road to Emmaus, to the very end of the Gospel. And I want to do so via a painting that hangs in the sanctuary in the chapel of one of the colleges in Oxford, St. Edmund Hall, where three figures are at the table. One is presiding and two are half on and half off their benches. The image is, of course, adapted from what is the norm in the dining room just across the corridor. Because such colleges are the contemporary custodians of a once monastic life. And praying and eating are closely connected in such monastic life, as indeed they are in the life of this institute. Today, however, Praying has to join the queue in undergraduate and student life, just like Advent in our civic and commercial life in November and December annually. Now what is important to me is the normality, the regularity, the ordinariness of this scene in the life of a college. And what's equally important is that all of these people are wearing normal regular, ordinary clothes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what we call religious art. This is not my point. There may, however, be something less than right with always looking to what now seem to be stylized figures in stylized dress as the window and the invitation to holiness and to apostolicity, when in fact these gifts of the Spirit are lived out in daily life without formality and often without attention. It is somehow rather refreshing to see young disciples in jeans and open-neck shirts, along with a benign Danish figure, wearing the sort of lived-in clothes that he wears to carry out his college teaching comfortably. And yet all three of them representing a truly iconic Lucan scene of living Eucharist. To me, the message is in the fact that these two young apostles are turning to go. Not so much to go away from the bread being broken before their eyes, but to go with the bread being broken before their eyes. As the bread parts company with itself in the middle of the loaf, by virtue of being torn apart, so they move to go. This is the key moment for them when incarnation and resurrection come together, never to be parted. And so, perhaps contrary to our expectation, it is fragmentation that gives comprehension, as they probably had never ever expected to be the case. And for them, and indeed for us, 
There is no need to be joyless in this moment of fracture. Quite the opposite. And so bereavement and loss are replaced by commissioning and energy. The story in St. Luke chapter 24, the picture that I'm trying to describe to you, suggests that this experience and this happening are near instantaneous events. In real life, however, it may only rarely be like this, because for many people, faith is more a process, an increment, a growing and a learning. But scripture itself has no option other than to accelerate the experience in order to garner the eschatology of the moment and to share it with the world as good news. This then is Eucharist as eschatology. This is community as commissioning. This is faith as a future focus. And might not our hearts too also burn within us at such a prospect? You are commissioned this evening. And in my understanding, in these early post-COVID-19 times, if indeed we are there, when perhaps too many of us who are survivors are forgetting the now past trauma of last month and last year, you are commissioned, I would suggest, to a ministry of accompaniment. And this, I would suggest, is a vital ministry for our time. It is a traditional ministry in uncharted times. And you are the cohort who carry this ministry of accompaniment. It is an urgent need for people inside and outside the church in these times of easing, times that many already find to be quite exhausting and quite overwhelming. And I say this because restrictions, of course, are going, but personal responsibility is taking centre stage. And I'll give you just one example. And I think one goes past the gate. It's a number 14, public transport. With all of its pushing and shoving, it's too few seats and too many passengers. Its tendency towards claustrophobia for those who have had to live alone for a year and a half and who now need to get out and to go places. Accompaniment, neighborliness, helping, encouraging. These are now urgent gifts of the Spirit in times of reopening. You are this generation of ordinaries. May the example of those two young apostles, casually dressed and at ease with God, in the village of Emmaus, lead you forward and send you out. St. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. They said to one another, were not our hearts on fire as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 